What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. And welcome back to uh, our new YouTube channel, Alcoholics React. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that like a hot thing? That's like you got to have... Yo, this is me watching the new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, like, <laughs> fucking crying. Like, I can't believe it's Star-Lord is back. Oh, uh, he's been so monumental in my recovery. Which, oh, uh, the Star-Lord? The Star-Lord, yeah. The, the whole Marvel franchise has really been a big uh, foundation of my recovery. <sighs> I don't fucking I, care. Well, I mean, if it is, it is. But, you know, when I... Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not judging you, but if, yo, if you're out there living it for fucking Wakanda, mm-hmm. you know, you're out there living it for the vibranium and Wakanda or whatever, that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah, do what you gotta do. But currently you are, you are, right now you are in the A's for Alcoholic Cinematic Universe. Bam. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. I didn't really, I think I watched, um, what was it, I don't know, what is it called? Guardians of the Galaxy. I started the first mm-hmm. one. I don't think I finished it. And then um, I I was playing those Telltale games for a while, and oh, yeah, okay. they did one of those. But it was so, you know, like when a movie or a video game or some or even like a musician or an artist of some kind does something really cool the first time, and you're like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And then they just take the formula and they just drill it into the ground. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like with Telltale. That they did yeah. the, the Walking Dead, and it was really cool, and it had an engaging story. And then they were like, "Well, we're just going to put this over here." And then it just became kind of corny, and you know, there wasn't, you know, like in video games where they give you a choice and it matters, and they give you a choice and it doesn't matter, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, it doesn't fucking matter what I do." So I'm going to go ahead right. and I'm going to murder this person, or I'm just going to steal from this person, you know? Right. So it was just it was a little disappointing. Yeah, fuck Telltale, dude. <laughs> They're done anyway. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, they are done, but yeah. Although I found um, I was having some trouble in Red Dead Redemption, and I, I actually ended up had to take a bath. Like, people didn't want to be around me because I was fucking yeah. dirty and gross. <laughs> Hygiene is very important in that game. It is, dude. People will not fuck with you if you don't get a haircut and take a bath. And you got to eat. I mean, you can, you don't have to eat, but then eventually people are like, are you okay? You don't look too good. They'll like say, say shit to you on the street. I say just keep playing the game because the story is so good. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm not. Or not. I don't know. I'm not too. I'm not too worried about it. It's not my. Yeah. It's not my biggest it's, priority. It's video game cowboys, you know. Which is nice because I I almost like the um, when they go on their little rides and they're telling they're doing the conversation. I kind of like to put it in cinematic mode and just yeah, I watch do that it, too. Mm-hmm. so I don't have to like keep up with fucking Cletus Rastus or whatever. Whomever it is that I'm... Cletus Rastus. I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know. Oh, I thought it was like his dog or something. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a dog in this, do you? That's far No, cry. but you can pet. You can pet every fucking dog. Well, why wouldn't you? I don't know, dude. Right. I would never kill a dog in a video game unless they were attacking me. That's mo- one thing I hated about Last of Us 2 is I had to kill these dogs. The dogs had names and mm-hmm. shit. Fuck, oh. dude. Well. So you shoot a dog in the face because it's trying to kill you and then someone's like, Rex... They fucking killed Rex. I remember that from the original uh, Wolfenstein back in the 90s. And it was always uh-huh. like, oh, man, you got to kill the German Shepherds. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's not their fault they were trained by Nazis. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dogs don't have a political ideology. They're just no. dogs. No. no. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, man. So it's uh, today I wanted to kind of button up our previous conversation with the questions and answers, and we had a few that were all revolving around relationships. Oh. So R is for relationship. And, right. um, and I'm certainly, I'd like to share some about my own as well. But I wanted to ask you this, and this was sort of an interesting one that was um, from Natalia. Our friend Natalia says, how do you feel about your friends slash loved ones that still suffer? Are you asking? Oh, I thought you were going to weigh in on it. Oh, well, I mean, no, go for it. What do you, how do you feel about them when you? I feel bad for them. Yeah. Yeah, I feel uh, empathy for them, though. It's not like a, it's not like a sympathy, like, oh, you could have known better. You really screwed it up. It's more like I feel a lot of empathy because I I can relate. I've been there. Yeah, but then when I hear news of their adventures, I I do like have this weird sense of like, you fucking idiot. (laughs) <laughs> like it kind of cracks me up you know when you call me and you're like oh whatever we have like a whoever and there you're like oh so and so just got fucking popped for a dewey you know and we both right. know that so and so's giant drunk and i just look at you like you've we've had these conversations where i just smirk at you and you're like oh yeah that's that's you what you're gonna do and i'm like well what the fuck else you know like you know, I'm not going to, I, it's not going to be this sympathy where I'm like, oh, poor you. Oh, you'll get better. I'm like, no, pendejo. Like you can figure it out. You know, I'm dumb as fuck and I figured it out mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, so for me, it's a lot of empathy. Yeah. I don't have very many sufferers in my life lately though. That's good. Not really. Not really. I mean, even within close family, I mean, I can't, I can, I probably have a handful of people maybe that mm-hmm. I know, maybe not even a handful, you know. Yeah, I feel the same way. I more and more I'm finding that you know, they talk about it in the big book about looking at the person as somebody who's sick. Right. And that's my sponsor told I me. I find that's really helpful to go like, well, this is not a moral failing. You're a good person. You're just dealing with something that is got a contr- has a handle on you, has control over you. And so it doesn't behoove me to to get angry or but yeah you're right like if you're like oh man i did this or i got picked up and i spent the night in the clink and it's like well jesus christ dude like i don't have the deal i don't have a problem telling somebody who still drinks like dude come on what the fuck is that yeah i'm not saying that you need to come follow my path (laughs) you know what i mean but that's that's your choice so i think it's I, I always tell people, be patient, be, be patient and be, be ready if somebody right. calls you, right? Right. Because, right. and I don't know what you think about the whole, in AA, you know, never say no, always be ready to say yes. If you feel good about that or if that, mm. you know, I know that you are less prone to, I don't want to say you're less prone to service, but maybe you're less prone to service. And I know things are different now in, in pandemic times. Yeah. But, but, um, me and service have a weird relationship because I want to be in service and I want to help fellow alcoholics and I really want to help people who are still suffering. But, pardon me, I don't want to be responsible for their suffering in that sense, or I'm not responsible for their sobriety. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. That sounds very selfish. I guess what I'm trying to get is, get at is I don't want to be taken advantage of. And I've seen it happen within the group and within the program where people want to be altruistic, put their best foot forward, help their own recovery by helping other people, and then they get walked on. Because that's Mm. what active alcoholics do. They walk on you, right? So I have to be in this position where I have to be guarded because I don't want to be taken advantage of. And that might be that I'm the child of an alcoholic. Do you know what I mean? That might be some Al-Anon shit I need to get into. But I'm just, man, I am very wary of sometimes of certain people and I, I think that's also what i do with my friends who are still and family who are still suffering is i keep them at arm's length i absolutely keep them at arm's length but you know if you call me and ask me for advice i'll be more than happy to give it to you i'll even give you a ride to a meeting you know back in the day i would have done that but other than that there's not much else do you know what i'm saying like i'm probably not going to sponsor you you know like you're gonna have to figure mm-hmm. all that shit out on your own i can only push you and guide you on the path that I feel like would work for you. But even not even then. That's the wrong way to phrase it. I would only try to guide you on the path that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, man, I can't hold anybody's hand all the way down the path. That That's their own fucking, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, if I can't diagnose some motherfuckers as an alcoholic, who am I to, like, 
guide them through their recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I think too when working with another alcoholic when sponsoring somebody, I've had to um, be very clear with my words and how I use them and not say you need to do this and you need to do that and mm-hmm. we we are very quick to to correct ourselves on the podcast when we're right. talking about something like and I say you know what you need to do and I'm like well actually what I like to do yeah and so I think that 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 the language is important and it's very easy to come across as belittling or judgmental mm-hmm. when you're telling you know saying you need to get clean you need to clean house and find god or good god what is it Uh, yeah it doesn't sound good right it doesn't sound helpful yeah so um i think that in those relationships you do have to stay arm's length with people who are still drinking or still suffering as we say um Mm -hmm. and because it doesn't I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not interested in going meeting you at the bar. I'm not interested in going to your friend's birthday party, right? I'm not right. interested in a casual hangout with you and a few casual friends from your work. Right. <laughs> right. I think I think I'm far less interested in going to random parties. Back in the day, we used to go to all kinds of like, fuck it, there's a house party down the road. We don't know anybody. Let's go crash it, man. It'll Let's be fun. Shit. Let's go steal some booze, yeah. Right? But we're also in our 20s, dude. We're in our Mm -hmm. 40s now. I mean, what fucking casual hangouts does anyone have in their 40s? (laughs) I don't know. If you're in your 40s just having cash hangouts where you just show up at your friend's house and just sit there all day and watch TV, like, that's wild. Mm -hmm. That's just wild to me. I have a wife and a kid and shit. Like, I've fucking a bunch of shit I gotta do. I'm trying to squeeze every last drop out of this lemon I call life. (laughs) I don't need to be sitting here watching fucking... (laughs) Full house with you, you know, watching fucking Highway to Heaven. You know, with you guys drinking a handle, or even sober watching you all drink a handle and laugh at mm-hmm. you know, Highway to Heaven. I ain't fucking whatever that. happened to um, exactly. So another question that I got that was, and this is the the crux of today's I think episode is, um, it was from Angela, and she sent a lengthy email, and I think. The the thought that she's asking about this idea that they say in the program about waiting a year before you start dating mm-hmm. and her being, you know, a couple of years sober or I've been wanting to attempting to to date. Unfortunately, I'm quick to learn that I still allow myself to twist my own rubber arm, wanting to go back to, quote-unquote, fun and normal early dating behaviors. I'm open and honest about my needs and my relationship with alcohol from the get-go, then literally find myself reversing my words and actions to fit in because it's what I think I want, and all my previous objectives go out the window. So she talks about having to end relationships, and although I don't think I don't think Jerry and I are relationship experts or... <laughs> here to give Wait, advice. Wait, so I don't, I don't understand the, the question so, is that this okay. person wants to, um, want, when when they go out into the dating world, they want to start drinking again? Or they want to go out and party like normal people do? I, I'm unclear. Um, what I think all my previous, I'm having to end any relationship or dating attempt very quickly because I recognize I'm not strong enough yet and want or need to keep my focus on my number one priority. Uh, right. I'm assuming is the sobriety in herself. Um, mm-hmm. So it's incredibly frustrating, unfortunately, but certainly can appreciate this most likely isn't a new concept or challenge for alcoholics and sobriety. So I think the question here is, um, one, I would say, why is it important to wait a year into your recovery? Man, I don't know. And two, (laughs) what is the um, proper way to go about that? So I will join Jerry in that question. I have no idea. I don't have any straight advice, but I can only talk from my own experience. Right, exactly. And my experience is I'm a married dude, and I went into the program married. I didn't have girlfriends because my wife was like, you're not allowed to have girlfriends. And I was right. like, fair enough. Yeah, that's fine. smart of you. Yeah. So I would like to talk about my experience because when I was drinking, I was single for most of it. Um, and my when i got sober 
I got sober in July. Mm-hmm. I started working a program. I don't know. I started going to meetings in August. Mm-hmm. I started working a program. I think. I don't. Th- I think that. I don't think I started working the actual program until December. Yeah. So six months of kind of like just white knuckles. White knuckles going to this meeting every single week, and so I, and. I want to talk about my relationship now, and um, and I, uh, what the woman that I was with, I met her, like in October, just about five years ago, and um, I was straight up about the problems I was having, and I was still, um, but it was hard to explain because I didn't know what I was going through because I hadn't really gone through it yet, right? So early on in our relationship. When I started working the program, and there would be days where I would come home and I'd be fucking crying from working with mm-hmm. my sponsor. Like I would be upset right. and I'd be sad and what's going on? And she was extraordinarily supportive and understanding and saw this as real, you know, deep work that I was doing on myself. And, um, you know, we were together for five years and just very, very recently we have parted ways. And, um, Jesus, Jerry, I don't know. I guess th- does this this feels like some sort of fifth step. Does this count? Does the podcast count as a fifth step? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, you know th- while you're telling the story, I'm, I'm, I'm like, so are they going to still keep doing this podcast together? Uh, no. The John and Rashida podcast? No. I don't think so, right? No. Be- so, um, and so here's, and here's the thing. We were together for five years, and mm-hmm. I, I have nothing but good things to say about this person. Um, this person has been super supportive and helpful and has inspired me in ways that I never thought possible has been supportive of all of my creative endeavors when nobody else was. Um, and you know, I think a lot of things happened over this last year. Um, but go, I, so I went through recovery with a relationship and it made Mm -hmm. both of them very, that made both of them more difficult than they needed to be. Right. And so I think that now had I waited a year, had I said no and waited a year, I don't think that I would have ever had the last five years with this person. Right. Right. They would Mm -hmm. have just gone off and I would have gone off and then something else would have happened and whatever. So um, I wouldn't have changed anything, but it made it more difficult because I had no foundation. I had no sense of self. I was still just, you know, you know what it's like that first six months in recovery and you're like steps and and I'm working, I'm working with somebody and and the sponsee is like, what do I do here? And what is this? And, and, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's, you know, you do this, this and this. But when you don't know, you don't know. Right. So, and I, I just want to say that this relationship that has ended, um, Part of my whole new philosophy on life of trying to have this sort of, what did I call it, radical acceptance of what is, and mm-hmm. um, is that things just came to a completion and that there was no more for us to gain from each other being together in this way at this time. At this time. That's at what I was waiting time. for you to say because that's what's important. <laughs> There's no finality on it, on it until it's final. At right. this time. At that this being time. said, you know, it's also not healthy to to tell yourself that there may be other opportunities for this thing. You just leave it as it is. It's inert now. Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah. Like, so it's a, so yeah, and I wanted to thing. Mm-hmm, I love that. That that's so so this idea of a relationship being complete was something mm-hmm. I heard um and it just made a lot of sense that uh, the woman who said, so this was, uh, if you listen to the Rich Roll podcast and occasionally he'll have his wife on. And yeah. I originally, like one of my first, um, my first impression of her was, and I hate to use this phrase, but I don't know, but this sort of hippy dippy vibe, but of course, right. you know, and I was kind of 
put off. But then I was listening, as I was listening to her speak, I was like, oh, she's making a lot of fucking sense here. You should probably right. listen to this woman. And she talked about a previous relationship where she had children and how it had become complete. It wasn't that it was broken. We had done everything we could do. We had right. two beautiful children. I think that's what it was. But that was maybe that was the purpose and the point. So. Right. We don't always get to know the purpose and the point of the relationship, but you know, currently I have completed this time with this person and like there's still a lot of hurt. I'm I'm hurt and I'm angry and I'm right. sad, you know, and But that's normal though, dude. Right. Like, that's you're not that's not not normal to feel that way when when things have been completed. Right. Well, it depends on the thing. Like if you've done a good day of hard work, <laughs> You've completed those tasks. You should not be angry. You should be like satisfied that you've done them. Mm-hmm. But as far as like a relationship is concerned, yeah, those things are totally, absolutely normal, dude. So I'm trying That's- to be, yeah, I'm trying to be satisfied, or but I'm, I'm, you know, because my old, my old self, my drinking self, oh, God. I, I, <laughs> I keep trying to go look back, right? I'm like, I know looking him. Back I and I'm like, him. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? What did mm-hmm. I miss? What did I What did I do? Did, should I have done something? Wait, was there that moment when I should have said yes when I said no, or said no when I should have said yes? Should right. I have Should Should I have asked her to marry me? Should but I even have... hearing that loop is frustrating to me because you're like, it's it doesn't solve anything. All you're doing is belly navel gazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're just. That, but that's the old obsessive job. Now I'm thinking of not to change it, but what this person wrote about you know within the hundred days, and I think the reason why they have that, or why that's kind of like a unofficial kind of guideline, is that um, it's just undertaking any new project while you're trying to get your shit together is just mm-hmm. probably not advisable. You know. That being said, you know for the, this person Angela, um, if you're out there dating, I'm not sure how much time you have. Or she has, but if or they have, but if they're out there dating, and every time they hit a point in this relationship where they question their recovery or puts their recovery in jeopardy, then maybe they're not quite ready to go out there and pursue relationships. Like mm-hmm. if being in a relationship and you're in recovery and you're dating normies, and the normies are like, "Let's go out to the fucking tapas bar," you know, or whatever, tapa, not topless, or topless, whatever, whatever it doesn't matter. Let's just go out to an alcohol place. You know, I mean, you really got to put down your, I I would, let me rephrase that again. I would really put down my boundaries and I'd be very clear. Like, look, I'm a fucking blackout drunk and I'm trying not to be a blackout drunk and going as much as tapas sound delicious. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's not really my jam right now. You know, I don't know if, if it's a problem we keep running into over and over again. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it just keeps hitting the same wall with different people. It seems to be that yeah, the problem isn't really necessarily in dating. The uh, I think the thing that needs to be worked out is how you're approaching your own recovery, or maybe mm-hmm. the phase you're at in your recovery. Now, how long did you start? When did you start dating, uh, Rashida? We Rash- this yeah. was so it's fine uh, about a year or so five years ago. So it was in how, October. How long were you sober for? October, July, so August, been... September. Three and a half months. You had a girlfriend in four months of your recovery. I was not, ex- and that was <laughs> right. I've told me to laugh. It's just no, because I'm for where I'm coming from. Like, I don't know if I would have done that, but we're different people, and also you were a different person five years ago than you are now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you would have approached this whole thing differently with the amount of time you have and the amount of things you've discovered about yourself now mm-hmm. at this point. Um, yeah. I only laugh because I remember myself four months in recovery and I couldn't even figure out what fucking shoes I was going to wear. Do you know what I mean? Nonetheless, like want to be with a person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My wife wasn't barely talking to me at four months in. She was barely talking <clears throat> to me. She was like, oh, it's you. It's you, motherfucker. You think? Oh, oh you're you think, back again. Right. That uh, that notion of like, I guess maybe there wasn't, she didn't trust you yet. She still thought. No, yeah. no. We, I had to really. Um, yeah salvage that our relationship we both had to work at salvaging our relationship because i just walk in the room and she's like what are you gonna do smoke fucking eight cigarettes in two hours and drink four fucking rock stars <laughs> is that your new thing now jerry you asshole you know yeah so, yeah there was a lot of salvaging like i i it wasn't like this ultimate because my wife megan is not an ultimatum person 
she's absolutely never been an ultimatum person. Mm-hmm. She's never been like, you do this or I do that. She's just like, you do you. And if it affects me, then I'm going to let you know. Mm-hmm. In a very polite, you know, she's like really adjusted emotionally in that way. So when she threw that ultimatum at me, that was real. That wasn't like, you fucking asshole. You know, like other girlfriends I've had who are throwing shit across the room and mm-hmm. God fucking leave you. And I'm fine, leave, bitch. You know, which was 2001, Jerry, you know. This was like real. So we really had to salvage that thing. And I think still now we work on it. On, on You know, we've been together for a long time. Um, re- being in a relationship in recovery with a person, who, I don't know, I don't even know, with a person who's a non-alcoholic, I'd say is one thing. I can't even imagine being in a relationship in recovery with another recovering alcoholic. Like, that's wild shit too. Mm-hmm. You know? But in, in your case, I think what you're doing, and, and this might just be John's broken... Not broken, broken up, breaking up podcast. Sure, you know, but or resolution of a of a agreement. <laughs> nice, nice one. Yeah, yes, but I think what you're doing, I think you're doing really good, and I think you're approaching it in a really emotionally healthy way. And I don't think you're doing it for show for the podcast. I don't think you're being like, oh, I got my shit together because this is fucking A's for alcoholic John. Like, I really think you're taking these tools you learned in recovery and you're applying them to a situation that in any other cases would be fairly traumatic. Do you know what I mean? Or fairly emotionally taxing, you know? And you're doing a really Mm -hmm. good job with it from what I can see or at least what you're expressing to me in this podcast and in our texts and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's a hard thing. Resolving resolving a relationship is never fucking easy. It doesn't matter even... I got to give... And not to belittle what you're going through, but I got to give notice... Uh, to my landlord that I'm moving out, and even that's hard. Like I don't even know how to deal with <laughs> yes. that shit. I'm making my wife do it because I don't want to do it. You know? Right. And I, I'm not saying you know these those two things don't compare. I'm just trying to bring some levity to the situation here. But, mm-hmm. No, it's but, uh, it's true. I mean, you tell. I mean, your landlord's been uh, been fucking suckling at your teat all this time. Eighteen months, <laughs> you know, and he's like, "Hey, I'm looking for a long term tenant." And my wife and I were like, "We'll be your long term tenants. We'll be here at least five years because we were planning oh. to save money up to buy a house, you know? right?" And we were gonna stick around at least till Olive was in high school, so three years. You know, our last place we were in five years before we got mm-hmm. booted out because they sold the house. That's the other thing about being a tenant, man. They sell that house. They don't give a fuck. Good luck. Good luck out there in the world. Oh, you yeah. don't have money saved up to move? Sorry, I gotta sell this shit. I need another boat. Right. Anyway, this is not that kind of podcast. No. But, uh, um, that no. That's, that means that's great. Yeah. That's great. That's a great analogy. Only because, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of even with a tenant and landlord relationship, there's a lot of complexities, and you're signing contracts, and you have agreements, right. and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and even you know you have to say we're leaving, and you know right. I that's there's no in a in a in a personal relationship there's no 30 day notice there's no um be like hey i need to stay here because i still have mm-hmm. I, I paid you rent you know what i mean right. it's just mm-hmm. when it's you don't done pro-rate it, that shit right. right yeah and when it's done it's done and especially mm-hmm. when two people fe- when two people feel that something is done and then don't do anything about it mm-hmm. those last few months can feel really sad when you're together and those last Mm -hmm. those last days can feel like what are we doing here this doesn't feel right this doesn't feel well this is not the this is not the beautiful happy place that i remember with you and i don't want it to be sad here right i feel like that's a symptom of miscommunication though yeah you know what i mean because two people in are in this agreement together and they're mm-hmm. not communicating what's going on. I communicate constantly, which is probably the, a detriment of mine. It's probably one of my character flaws is that I fucking communicate all the time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if if you're not checking each other's temperature, then you're not going to know. And then it becomes this mm-hmm. ghost town, this sad ghost town of a relationship. You know? Right. Um, I don't know. See, but in recovery, we're learning things. This is great, right? A, a lot of this show is compare and contrast. And I know I say that. Mm-hmm. I've said that before. But that's all I can really do is compare and contrast. I, I I can't offer anybody anything new that I haven't learned yet, you know. But I can compare and contrast how I've seen you personally deal with the breakups of relationships and the obsessive nature. And I've been on that ride with you because I mm-hmm. have split up with people in really unhealthy ways and been completely obsessive alongside with you. You and I both had tandem breakups of two women who had the exact same name. Yeah. Do you remember yes. that? And we both... 
were a fucking train wreck over these two women for that so, had the same for so fucking long. name. And it was all for nothing. I mean, my relationship was very unhealthy. Yours was like short and fleeting. Do you know what yes. I mean? But because of our obsessive nature, we fixated on this one <coughs> this one thing. It was like, a, in my mind, it was always like a broken tooth that I couldn't stop tonguing. Mm-hmm. Like I just kept Ow. getting at that Quit abscess it. in my tooth. Yeah, and it would hurt and it would totally be unhealthy. And instead of finding a way to get the tooth pulled or fixed, I would just keep fucking with it. You know, but as we get older, it's not even about older. I think as through experience and through our experience in recovery, I, I see, like I said, I see you doing so much better with it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you turn off the fucking stream and listen to fucking all by myself and cry in your room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, <laughs> so I'll be, no, I'll be straight or, up with or, you. Maybe I, you do a hundred pushups and cry. I don't know, but that's what you got to do. You got to do it. So know? I'll be straight up with you. And you know, you're right. I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you whatever, um, I do have moments of sadness and I do have moments yeah. where I feel like I want to cry and they come at very inopportune times. Like I'll be at work and something will just hit me or, right. you know, when your when your cell phone says, Hey, you have a new memory to look at or something like that. And oh, your photos and I'm like, Oh fuck. Um, so I don't know that I've had time or space to fully unload emotionally about mm-hmm. it all. Um, right. and I'm trying my best not to, bottle things up but and i think it'll come uh probably sooner than later so i i and i think compare and contrast to those other relationships that you were talking about and i was hung up i had a very like strong exciting burst i fell in love and we were i thought we were in love for four months maybe it was five five and then she and then she's like actually I came to find out that I was the rebound. <laughs> and then she went back and, and, you know, but I was like fixated on that shit for like a year. I drank over it for like a year. Over saw a five-month relationship. So when I look at the way that I'm wow. processing things now, yeah, I know, right? I would, I remember I would, was bartending at the bar at the Belmar and I would like- Piano's been yeah. drinking. Yeah, I basically Tom had Waits. every single Tom Waits album and I would just play Tom Waits all night and turn the lights down as low as I could, you know, legally do it and put candles all over the place. And I would just sit in this fucking like dark candle lit bar listening to Tom Waits. And you wonder why I couldn't get over it. For right. fucking ten hours a well, day. And in the meantime, while you're doing that, you've probably got a young lady sitting at your bar who's who is like super way more fucking fun and mm-hmm. way more into doing shit, and you wouldn't be there. But you're just you got the blinders on. Obsess. It's the obsessive nature of an alcoholic. You know. Mm-hmm. Relationships are weird, man. So I'm trying to not have blinders this time, and I don't I, think you are. I think you're right. doing really well. But carry on. Thank Sorry, you. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. It's okay. I just and I. I mean. I know that this podcast can seem performative and in some ways it is and we've discussed this before but you know right. I'd be straight up with you in telling you that I'm deeply sad yeah and I'm, you sh- it's okay right <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah I'm also trying my best like you said to use all the tools to to think about things in a different way because I've done that other thing and that other thing just led me to more sadness. You know, I, right. we talked to I talked to a mutual friend of ours who, you know, had a big bad breakup and ended up, you know, moving and all this stuff. And I remember asking him, I sent him a text and I was like, hey, how you doing out there? And he's like, I'm just mining sadness. Mm-hmm. Like that was his thing. I'm just sitting at the bar and I'm mining my sadness, thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, this person, this other person. And I thought, God. What a fucking, like, I don't know if he meant I'm mining the sadness to get it out, but I feel like Mm -hmm. it was more like I'm mining the sadness to wallow in it, you know, to keep these things. And and at least that's how I interpreted it. And I just thought, God, that sounds awful. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to go combing through all of the past memories and looking for the mistakes I made and looking for all these things to be sad about and go, what about this? And what, you know, what about this? And like, just because somebody said something or did something at one point and then they don't do it. I mean, people change. We all change. We're changing all the time. And I don't, sometimes I don't want to fucking change, but I look in the mirror, Jerry, and I'm not the same dude that I was even a year ago. Right. Even at the beginning of this year. But even that, but that whole thing is like, do you remember the first time like you heard like your favorite song? 
Mm-hmm. Like your fucking favorite song ever, the best song you ever heard at that period of time. The first time you heard it, you were stoked. And you kept listening to it, and you listened to it all the time, and then eventually it doesn't become your favorite song. You move on to another favorite song. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the, that experience, you had the goosebumps or whatever emotional uh, attachment you have to that first time you heard that song, you don't get sad that you don't feel that shit anymore. Do you know what I mean? You're not like, man. Man, I really wish I. I'm so sad that I don't feel goosebumps anymore when I hear Dire Maker. And it's not my favorite <laughs> song anymore. Yeah, you're just like, yo, that song was dope, and now I've moved on to a different song. I don't Do need. You know I don't saying? ever need to listen to Hotel California ever again. You don't, but you know, the first time you heard it, you vibed with it. You're yes. like, this is rad. I think I was but about eight or nine. Sad. <laughs> right? You don't feel sad. You're not like, man, I'm so sad that I can't vibe with the eagles Mm -hmm. anymore you know you just know that that was like a really profound moment in your life because it is it is to me those things are very profound you know it's not like you think go and see the sunset at the grand canyon or some other thing Mm -hmm. that is really profound and you feel sad because you can't because you can't have that moment back no you're Mm -hmm. like in my at least in my opinion that moment has passed and i'm happy i had it you know and I'm glad to have had it because I could have not had it. I could have never heard Hotel California, which is fine because I don't like it. <laughs> My wife's learning how to play it on the ukulele. So nice. You're the... going to be hearing yeah, it a lot you're... more. I have been, yeah. but uh, The whole drive said, down like, to Arizona. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Gypsy King's version on a ukulele. Oh. But like, so this, this person you're speaking to or just even those old feelings you're having about like reliving those things – and thinking like I'm so sad because I'll never experience it that with that person again. Like I feel like that's kind of bullshit in a way because it's I don't know though because I'm not living it. So who am I to talk? You know I mean we'll t- maybe my wife will shit can me in six months and we'll have a whole different R and I'll be like motherfucker you know. But where I'm sitting at now I'm like so happy to have had these positive experiences I had with these people I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yes. Uh- Even the relationships I said were bad had positive things to him or I wouldn't have stuck around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, but I I just, I'm not Mm. dwelling on it. And I think that's the difference. And I, so resentment and gratitude cannot exist in the same space. No, they can't. can't, It's really good, actually. You can't have both. So for me, I have to choose. So when I look back at something an experience with somebody I spent the entirety, basically, of my recovery and sobriety with, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty powerful and meaningful stuff, right? That yes, is, it is, yeah. This is the first five years of what I would consider my real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to say, I know that sounds, I know that sounds heavy, but let's be honest here. That's right. my real life. I mean, all that right. other stuff was important, and I needed it to learn all these painful, horrible lessons, but... Like, so this relationship was very important to me. And when I look back at those things, I want to feel grateful that this stuff happened. My life isn't over. Absolutely. And this is another thing that I learned in recovery. My life isn't over because something had to stop, because I had to change, because I had Mm -hmm. to grow, because I had to learn. And I deal with, I've dealt with resentment all my fucking life. I still do. And that's yeah. that's the choice that I try to make. Is the, we all this, do, yeah. I just want to, and it, and I also have this sometimes this complex uh, emotion. I may, I don't know if it's complex, but where I get I get resentful at having to be grateful all the fucking time. Did we talk about this before? Yes, but we like, talk about this because I'm resentful for being grateful all the time. <laughs> and every time people come into the rooms and they're like super grateful, I like don't. I immediately I'm like I don't trust your ass. Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying to sell me? Anyway. But, but that doesn't do anyone any good. It's all in my head, no. man. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like fucking yelling at cars in traffic. The only person who's getting stressed out is me inside the car. And maybe I should have left 15 minutes early instead right. of fucking, you know, scrolling on TikTok on the right. couch. And then I wouldn't be so angry because I wouldn't be so late. Right? I mean, that's, that's right. my fault entirely. So... I'm really grat, and I wrote this this morning. Gratitude, gratitude is an action, so I have to, I have to do it. And, yeah. um, you know, when I think about relationships, and I had a woman last night. I had, I had, um, I had six women last night come into the restaurant, and it was a fiftieth birthday party. 
and they were fucking lit up. They had like five bottles of wine on the table. I think I only opened one big one, but they had already been drinking like all day long. And even with my mask on, this one woman was like, where are we going to party? You going to have a shot with us? And I said, no, not tonight. Thank you. You know, um, can we talk about, you know, I've got a great um, Prince Edward Island muscle special. And she's like, you got to come have shots with us. And I said, well, and I, you know what I did? I said, oh, I'm having a sober October. And they immediately stopped. They were like, oh, uh-huh. oh, that's so great. Good for you. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, I, that was easy. You know, because <laughs> it was just finding finding well, technically that connection. You lying. No, I wasn't yeah. lying. But finding mm-hmm. that way to connect with the other person rather than be like, well, you see, I'm a blackout alcoholic and I'm going to, I'll end up fucking killing myself and ruining somebody mm. else's life if I drink a shot right. with you. And then the one woman was talking about how throwing up in the Bellagio at 11 a.m. and then getting back uh-huh. on the horse and being like, drinks! And I was just like terrified. But instead, I was like, I can't imagine being a 50-year-old divorcee woman. You know? Like, I don't know that the whole story. hangover, dude. Yeah. That right? hangover is like, yeah, 100 miles of fucking tarmac in South America. Dude. That hangover is a <laughs> motherfucker. I can't imagine it. Yeah, I don't know. And at the end, she's like, she. They were like, you should come with us. And I was like, I'm, I'm at work. You know. And of course, nobody understands when they're drunk. They just like want what they want. But I was like, okay, have a little bit of sympathy, have a little empathy. Like, and the easiest thing is to just be kind and say goodbye and whatever. And it was like, it was the little bit of grief that I had to deal with was a small price to pay to like get them to move on quickly rather than like try to argue or be resistant or fight or say no and um and i was just like okay so have a little have a little empathy for these women and you know and then the couple of them were like we're so sorry about our friend it's her birthday she's divorced she's 50 and i was 50 once and it was so hard and, (laughs) and i was like listen I said, I said to her, I said, birthdays are really hard for some people and yeah. we all process this stuff differently. So go take care of your friend. Have a good night. Don't worry about me. Thank you for mm-hmm. apologizing. And it felt better than being like, fucking stupid bitches. Damn you know what I mean? Karens. <laughs> Get damn Karens. Karens. Right? Yeah. It, felt, it felt better to me. And so, again, here are the tools that we have to use. And if we're not getting the results we want, it's because we're not using them at all, let alone properly. Right. So that felt better last night than my normal, fuck these women. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to be just business. So I was kind and I was funny and I joked with them mm-hmm. and whatever. And I guess the woman That's had... That's all you can do, you know? I mean, she's 50 and divorced. <laughs> How so are you flirting funny, with dude. me and I got a mask hey, on? It's her birthday. She's right? 50. She's divorced. Mm-hmm. I was 50 once too. It's hard. Yeah, that's and that's what that's I said. That's funny like, to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I, you, that's the picture. That's the thing. There you go. Okay. So it's – um, so – I'm I'm doing my best with with what I have mm-hmm. and and you know I I sometimes and it's it's this is all still fresh. This is still this is only like a couple weeks. Well, yeah, old, you're but, you're processing, you know. And I still sometimes get these moments of like I feel lost and the the thing that I had that was anchoring me is gone. But but that's not true because no, that's not anchoring you. But that she that's wasn't anchoring like, me. She, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely relied on her for a lot of things. But what I'm realizing and what this fucking pandemic has exposed with a lot of uh, has exposed a lot of things, my relationship included, was that I need to anchor myself and yeah. and weather this storm. And this is not going to be the last bit of loss and grief that comes in my life. Well, that voice is the alcoholic in you, telling you that what? you need an outside source in order to anchor yourself. Mm. Before it was Tito's, and now it's another person. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying, though? Mm-hmm. Because that's the drunk in you being like, oh, you can't do it on your own. You need someone else. Or you've depended on this other outside source this entire time. It wasn't it had nothing to do with you. And I'm like, yo, you got to give yourself a little credit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like. You did that. You and whatever program you're working, and if you want to, you know, split split fucking peas, your higher power or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, 
Yeah, man. It's just that voice is really counterproductive because I listen to it sometimes too. We talk about resentment. I'm like filled with resentment. I'm such a resentful person, dude. And it's hard for me not to be. But I also love when you say you can't have gratitude and resentment simultaneously. I can resent things and be grateful for other things, but I can't resent and be grateful for the same thing at the same time. It's too hard. You know what I mean? It's just break my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I believe, and I've been thinking this whole time we're talking as far as relationships go, is like these the experiences you had with another person during that period of time weren't due to like that person. It was due to your experiences you've had in recovery and learning things along the way, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, I can't do this without this person. You have to. You know, there's no, <laughs> you got no fucking choice. You have to. You know, I had to do so much on my own when I was with this other person. It didn't. Exactly. Yeah, you have what's to. What's the difference? You know, like the difference is that, you know, you can't share it with this one person, mm-hmm. or maybe you can. I don't know. You never right. know. Everything is. I don't know, man. It's all just up in the air. All of it. And I mean, just this is life in general is up in the air. Nothing is guaranteed for mm-hmm. any of us. You know. And every single relationship, while I was drinking. Ended in mm-hmm. destruction, ended in havoc, ended in, um, you know, you know what they I mean? They were not amicable. They there were was not amicable. No. Yeah, it was not an amicable agreement that has ended. This agreement yeah. has ended. No, <laughs> it was like a fucking shit show mm-hmm. with somebody you met in a bar or Almost you met through drinking. Always. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Always. Yes. Every Who single goes one. goes on to like fuck a friend or do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. do some wild shit and you're like okay that's that's cool mm-hmm. like that yeah no man that was same thing that happened to me i'd break up with a girl she'd run through my friends i'd get my feelings all hurt and then be like well, what that's what we do though you know what i mean like we're drunks that's what we do those that's where our fucking that's where our boundaries lie you know so I'm so grateful that I can sit yeah. here and talk with you and and share these things with you and fucking not feel destructive and not feel right. like drinking you know like well, I, and at least it's appropriate for the letter of the podcast i mean i just hope yeah. someone's making dinner right now and they're like man this podcast is all about john breaking up with his girlfriend mm-hmm. i don't hear any recovery in here i'm right gonna listen to fucking Sobercast or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever i don't know i don't really mm-hmm. listen to a lot of the recovery podcasts anymore i'm gonna listen to two guys in queens talk about kicking heroin Mm-hmm. Is that another yeah. one? I don't know. Oh, I just remember you just made that up. You, I found one online once, and it was literally two guys just telling war stories the entire time, and like their recording equipment. I should make fun of them, but the literally their recording <laughs> equipment was like a can tied to a string. Uh huh. And yeah, there's just two guys being like, "Hey, it's fucking war story Wednesday. Remember that time you shot it up in your fucking eye?" And he's like, "Oh, you're crazy, man." You know. And at least those guys were getting doing something. To, they're doing yeah. something it just wasn't what i wanted to, it right was, they were exactly. serving something i did not want to take. did not want to yes so so that's the if i'm to to bring it to recovery and why yes this is this is the the episode where john talks about his breakup but to bring it to recovery is it's about the tools in relationships and it's about the tools that i use to take care of myself and to not i mean i didn't think about oh i'm just gonna get drunk Oh, I didn't think, oh, this is this is this is this chapter is done. I should probably go eat some pain pills and drink a bottle of warm gin. But right, like that would have been my that would have been my go to five, six yeah. years ago. Because we wallowed in our misery. We thought it would give us character. I thought how yeah. about let me change that. I thought it would give me character if I felt pain that I would have character from it. That mm-hmm. I would be interesting or, you know, I just wallow in that misery. Just just fucking mind that sadness, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know. Just because now, you are a character doesn't mean you have character, Jerry. Yeah, exactly. What's that from? <laughs> Pulp I Fiction. That's the end of Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, that's it. Okay. That's, I, I just, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. So this person asking this question, like I said, doubling back, like mm-hmm. I would definitely say your recovery should always come first if you're lonely, 100 only i don't know one uh, 100 100 emoji Double 100 out, emoji underlined. recovery comes first for me um yeah, you know another too. friend of mine who's in who's been in the program 
couple years longer than I have. Um, mm-hmm. Two or three, maybe. Uh, maybe his seven, seven or seven or eight years, seven mm-hmm. years maybe. So he's been, you know, single for a while, and he's been on dates. And you know, he was asking. That was one of the. So the other question um, that relates to this was, you know, how do you go about dating in sobriety? And um, fuck if I know. Um, you're gonna find out soon. I'm not. I'm so. <laughs> no, right? I'm just kidding. Look, we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody doing nothing. You just, just I only am, fans. I am looking for no n- nothing. I am. That's what it is. Yo, everybody, keep your eyes out for Johnny's OnlyFans. <laughs> right? It's mm-hmm. just going to be me. Ugh, I don't even want to think about it. Um, is you eating vegan food in your chonies uh, just in your living room, just like grunting? <laughs> I <laughs> am just, human and I need, that need to, be, to loved. be loved. Just eating fucking a seaweed and red bean casserole you've made. I almost bought some of those seaweed snacks, but this shit's expensive, man. I'm not Olive looking... loves them, dude. I can't. They're yeah. so gross. Yeah. I. Yeah. So I think that here's my thing. I'm not. I'm not opening up my Bumble account again. Um, I'm not interested in meeting up with anybody. I'm not Mm -hmm. like, okay, so here's, here's the deal. Um, I am going to continue to do the things that that work for me Mm -hmm. and, and be the person that works for me. And, you know, I wasn't looking for a relationship the last time I found it. I'm not going to be looking again. You know what I mean? Like, well, actively looking, I don't know. Just seems like it's just setting yourself up to be disappointed all the time. If you're actively looking, but to go answer the gentleman's question, like, how do you go about telling somebody now, if I'm going to, let's assume, let's assume that COVID is not a problem, which is not going to be the case for at least many, 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 many months, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um and like hey let's go out for a drink. I mean I would immediately say I don't drink, and then I would have to have that conversation. That's how I started the last relationship. And right, I don't drink. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I black out. I yell. I scream. I fight. I take piss and shit myself. I make a mess. I don't take care of myself. I hate myself. I want to kill say myself. All of that? She's like, no, but hey, let's go to Applebee's and have a fucking beer garita. And you're just like, ah, this is it. This is this it. This is it. Just rubbing your hands and mentally mm-hmm. like I've been waiting to just unload all this on fucking Kelsey here. Mm-hmm. So, no, I wouldn't say all that, but I would just explain that I, I, Damn. I'm unable right. to do that. And like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, okay. You know, and if somebody is not interested in understanding that, then that's not the right person. Yeah, you don't want to be fine. If you're embarrassed to tell a motherfucker that you're an alco- recovering alcoholic because you're afraid they're going to judge you, then why are you even kicking it with that person in the first place? Right. Because, like, oh, I'm going to lose this relationship here with fucking Skylar if I tell her I'm a fucking drunk. Like, maybe you don't want to be kicking it with Skylar in the first place anyway. That's right. What, I mean, if I, I – and, and like I – you don't have to be dramatic about it. Just be like, yo, I'm, re- I'm in recovery. I'm recovering alcoholic. I don't drink. I'm real bad at it. Mm-hmm. And if they're like, ew, well then fuck you, kick rocks. I don't need to be kicking it with you anyway. Basically. I mean that yeah. would be that would be my my um suggestion to anybody is Yeah. And then you just <laughs> move on. So much, and I guess you know so much nicer than mine. Well fucking kick rocks, yeah. I mean I just right. I just think I get it. Lonely. People get lonely and people get yes, horny. People do. And people get you know, and they allow they themselves do. They get hornly. To get hornly, you know? But it's like, okay, so if I get lonely and I get horny and I'm just like, all I need is to be around another person and I just need a Mm -hmm. warm body, I have learned in five years that that is not actually going to bring me the relief that I need. Yeah, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere for me. For other people it works. And it may, you know, but again. I know when I'm like horngry. Horngry? I'm like horny and hungry. I'm like horngry. Yeah. Um, horngry, horny, and hungry. Uh, horn, ben, Ben Horngry, who's Hornsby? that? Hornsby. I was trying to make a Hornsby joke. Bruce Hornsby in the range. Bruce, Bruce Horngry, Horngry, Bruce Horngry, and <laughs> and the flashlight full of Skittles. There you go. Well, all right. Um, boom. See, so, problem solved. Problem Bam. solved. So I solved everybody's problem. So yeah, man. I mean, Thank it's you. just, it's just, uh, it is what it is, as they mm. say. And I can't, I can't fight it because 
fighting never worked before, right? We, well, they, what did they say in the program? You got to be honest in all your in all your practices, right? I mean, that's even if that weren't like some program, you know, if you ain't fucking with the program, even if that's not a program thing, that's just good life advice. Just mm-hmm. be honest in all your affairs. So if you're going to talk to a person and, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, yo, let's go down. To, like I said, let's go down to Outback Steakhouse, get a blo- awesome blossom and fuck a couple of beer burritas. Mm-hmm. I keep rub- I keep circling back to the beer burrita. The beer burrito, is that a thing? Is that where they That's dump a, like the... Oh, yeah, I had one once. Like the upside-down Corona in the frozen margarita? Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, that's stupid. It is. Well, it's just like, <laughs> well, either have one or the other, but why am I going to dilute my margarita and or yeah. ruin my beer? Hang just on a second here. tequila and a bear. Yeah. And we're back. Um, <laughs> oh, what was that? No, I um, <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't have my computer t- uh, plugged in, so it was about to die. So I had to oh, plug it in. Oh, I had the oh. wrong corded. You so. got up, and I heard the door creak, and I thought you just got up to fart real loud. <laughs> <laughs> down, which would have been great in this podcast if you're like, hang on a sec, and then you just farted really loud, and you're like, and we're Came back. Came back, and we're back. Um. So Anyway, I, beer gritas are gross. Don't drink them. No. And if someone asks you to go out with them to drink them, just be like... I guess you can drink one, but I'm not going to drink one with you. I'll and have nice iced, raspberry iced tea. Thank I don't know you. that I want to sit in the Applebee's parking lot during a pandemic and fuck while people are doing beer garitas, you know? Yo, dude, yeah. Ugh, no. I don't even want to go to a restaurant right now, and I miss sushi. <laughs> I do. And I'm sorry, like, I don't mean to belittle mom- your suffering, Jerry. <laughs> I do. I miss sushi. And then my mom is like, hold on. Uh-oh. My phone is... Megan's... Fucking it. Decline. Megan's phone connects to my computer, so right. whenever... It, it just starts ringing in my ear. Anyway, yeah. They're like, go get sushi from... Uh, go get it from the market. And I'm like, I'm not eating market sushi. I want, like, real sushi. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, this shouldn't even be in the podcast. That's okay. Well, I, th- I think... Um... Me talking about sushi and pausing so my wife can get a FaceTime <laughs> call. Well, we've already... This is... This is the, it has ended. It has derailed... On its own, um, right. I, d- I just want to say I appreciate that you uh, you so sincerely said I miss sushi. I, I like do. That I moment. really and... miss sushi, man. And I just can't fuck with like market of choice sushi. I understand. Okay, market of choice. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sushi to go isn't really the. It's the... not. So I won't eat sushi. I just won't. I'll just yeah. wait. It's not the end of the world. It'll be the best sushi. You'll really love it when you get it. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, it'll mm-hmm. be like the first time I heard "fucking Hotel California." <laughs> Basically, yeah. <clears throat> so I just want to say, um, in closing, that the tools, using them, like I really have to yeah. put the shit no. into practice, and it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like a really big deal for me. Yeah, is like it okay, is. But put you, it in practice. You, You've learned to reframe and recontextualize these thoughts. That's what the tools are, is recontextualizing and reframing the way you're thinking about things, you know? Because previously it wasn't working, right? It didn't work the last, you know. There was no tool. Everything was a nail and all you had was a fucking, you didn't even have a hammer. You had the back end of like a wrench. (laughs) (laughs) So um, thanks for listening, Jerry. Thanks for talking me through this. I Like I said, I, I always wonder if this is like some sort of, fifth step that people are listening in on that's what it feels like sometimes i mean if you're out there listening to our podcast making Uh, dinner like congratulations you made it through you made it through so i hope this has been helpful to some of you out there and if i could give you any words of encouragement it would be focus on your recovery and um and yeah it's actually using the tools not just mm-hmm. talking about it, not just thinking about it, not just going, well, maybe things will be different if I do the same thing over and over. Because mm-hmm. that's what I did for a long time, and yeah. that doesn't work. And it still hurts, and it's still sad, and it's still painful, and I'm still, you know, I'm still, I'm working through all that stuff. I'm not interested in holding on to the sadness or the anger, right? That's the yeah. that's the difference. It's It exists, but I'm not interested in wallowing in it right i'm i'm interested in, in moving past it and moving through it so it's going to exist and i'm going to have to move through it absolutely and that's the difference here right mm-hmm. 
is that I see something on the other side of the sadness. I see something there on the other side. There always is, though. You know, the sadness isn't the end. It's just, this not, does not serve oneself at all. Mm-mm. It does not serve Mm-mm. you in any way. Other awesome. than a cautionary thing. Yeah. 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 All right, Jerry. Thank all you right. again for another uh, lovely afternoon discussion. Um, you gonna Absolutely. go? You gonna go paint after this? Yeah, I gotta go change and go paint. I gotta finish this this commission painting. Bang it out! I got three more. I gotta. I just gotta finish this one. This cool. was way more time consuming than I thought it would be. I'm under the gun here, John. <laughs> you know, the next time we talk, <laughs> um, there's gonna be something big going on here pretty soon. Next Tuesday, is it next we, Tuesday uh, or the Tuesday oh, after? No, I think oh, it's no. next Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's like nine days away. What a bummer. Yeah, well. Yeah. Take care of yourself out there everybody and we will yeah. um we'll see you again next week. All right. Later. Thanks again for listening. Our music as always is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at a is for alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.